You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And this week's podcast is brought to you by Therapy Clinic in Limerick. I'm now joined in studio by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, how are you getting on? Well, I could use a bit of therapy myself, Keen. <laughs> you haven't been a top of your game for the week, have you? Not exactly, no. <laughs> not exactly. We'll leave that. We'll park that one there now. Uh, someone who is top of our game is our reporter David Raleigh from Page Story this week with a story called Protection Rackets Rife on Limerick Building Sites. This seems to be something of an open secret because when it was raised, it seemed that a lot of people knew that this thing was going on where um, local criminal gangs would uh, approach people involved in the building trade who uh, in some cases would be even involved in the regeneration areas and um, demand uh, protection money really under the guise of uh, offering security services. This thing arose in Dublin a few weeks ago where uh, during a high court hearing it it emerged that um, some of the uh, contractors in some of the bigger council sites around the city um, were paying protection money um, and this was actually indirectly being paid by the council in that the council would pay the contractors and the contractors would pay the criminals and it, it um, sort of you know raised this issue and then David Raleigh decided to investigate and see well was Limerick immune from this and the answer is no it's not um, um, it was discussed at a, at a meeting of the Joint uh, Police Committee last week. Now, that's where um, people like Deputy Niall Collins came along and uh, brought it out into the open. And um, they were told by the Chief Superintendent, Jerry Roach, that this was something that the guards were aware of. It is something that they're uh, investigating. And um, also, it, it, it arose that there were a number of other um, people that were able to give off-the-record briefings to David. One particular source um, that's close to the council um, was saying, you know, they were well aware of it, and there was also he was able to give a fairly significant uh, outline of how the the whole scheme has worked. Um, although on an official level, uh, the council got on and said they weren't aware of any incidents, and that it that it was being looked at by all local authorities in Limerick was no exception. So it seems that the council itself might be either a little bit coy or uh, totally unaware of what's been going on on its uh, its own building sites, really. And then uh, you see Deputy Collins there saying that sources have informed him that the operations have been on for years. So that just shows you the, the scale of them, really, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and you can actually see it on social media, that, you know, that a lot of people are saying, well, really? You know, they're, they're, they're sort of saying, well, you should be well aware of this, lads, because uh, even the dogs in the street apparently know about it. And then uh, another story linked to the council as well is the opposition to the Irish cement incineration plan. Now, this has been going on for some time now, and we had the protest last week. And now there's talks of the council opposing the incineration plans. And it's again. probably, yeah, it's probably gone a little bit beyond talk. You see... What's happened is that the council initially would have uh, given their approval and then that approval more or less had to be endorsed by the uh, Environment Protection Agency. What happened was that the Environment Protection Agency gave their approval 
more or less licensed um, the practice of incineration out at the Mungret site, the Irish cement site out there, allowing them to burn tires and other waste material. Now, um, the council, you could say, has performed something of a U-turn here, and it's fairly significant in the sense that now it seems that they are going to oppose the license that they more or less had given over to EPA to, to, to grant. So it seems like as if there's a lot of contortions going along in the council. Now, that, that said, we could see from... Um, photographs from the from the uh, protest there uh, the weekend before last that there were a number of councillors and in fairness there have been a good few of them who have been very consistent in their opposition to the Irish cement plans. One, one in particular would be James Collins, the former mayor and current Cahirlach um, of the Metropolitan District. But um, as to what they could do they seem to be at a bit of a loss until it was suggested to them by um, Cahill Crow, who's the mayor of Clare, um, also a teacher out in, in, in Mealyk and uh, a, a very, very strong community activist and some, somebody who has been affiliated to the opposition to the Irish cement plan. And uh, he had suggested that the, that the council could actually um, appeal against uh, its own decision under the, under the Planning Act. And this is something that's being done. So on the next uh, meeting of the council, you have two Fianna Fáil councillors, Catherine Slattery and Kieran O'Halloran, who are uh, looking for um, a variation on the Southern Environment's local area plan. Uh, and, and this would um, prevent the uh, incineration of waste material within a two-kilometre range of local schools. So that'll be an interesting one. It's going to come up at the next council meeting. So, you know, it does seem now as if the, the groundswell of opposition is actually tr is actually getting some sort of a focus. There's a bit of plans in motion there as well. It might make a difference. It, it will. And I, I can I can guarantee you that it's also going to make a few more stories for us. And it's something that we will be keeping an eye on. Yeah. So those stories are available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.ie. Jerry, thanks very much for joining us. And You're very welcome, Keen. I'm now joined in studio by journalist Maura Nolan. Maura, how are you? Good, how are you, Keen? I'm not too bad. Uh, I see you have a story on page 24 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper about the new walking map of Limerick. I know it was touched on briefly last week in the paper, but uh, you've expanded on it a small bit here. Yep. Yeah. So uh, tell us a bit about the map. Um, so basically, the Limerick City walking map is designed to resemble a sort of a traditional underground style public transport map um, to present key locations and points of interest to stop on a pedestrian network. Um, it displays walking times between stops uh, to encourage users to walk and enjoy the city centre. And it also includes details of uh, bike docks, off street parking and shopping areas. So uh, obviously the hopes of this are people will walk more instead of driving. Yeah. Uh, so what did the founder of the map say or the, the designer? Um, so the initiative was created by Reen McGibbon, who founded erinocarlier.com website in 2018. And it was funded by Limerick City and County Council. Um, he says by, you know, by displaying the walking times between key locations and landmarks, it highlights just how close they are to each other and to try and encourage people to walk more to improve our mental and physical health. And the map also highlights a number of great attractions that Limerick have to offer that people may not know about. All right. And uh, have you tried using the map yourself? Have you? Um, I haven't actually chosen yet. I'm not really around the city much because I'm out in UL and Castle Dry, but um, it might encourage me to go around the city more instead. <laughs> yeah. And looking at the times there, like there's 
not many places to walk from that are, are more than say five minutes or so you know to, you have walking along O'Connell Street it'll probably add up in total to about 12 13 minutes yeah but uh, I think t- the distances aren't as long as people no, think they're, they're not too bad yeah and uh, launching this as well was the Mayor Sheehan uh, yeah, Mayor Michael Sheehan um, he's described the map as an innovative way to show just how much of a walkable neighbourhood Limerick City Centre is and has expanded again about how the distances they're not that small between a lot of tracks and Limerick's a fairly small compact city when you look at it really yeah uh, Maura, thanks very much for joining us. And that story is available on page 24 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper. Thank you. And this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Therapy Clinic Limerick. I'm now joined by host of the Limerick Post show, Megan Scully. Megan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you getting on? I'm not too bad. You'll be off next week. I know. Uh, by <laughs> this time next week, I will be in Las Vegas. Lovely. A uh, special occasion, I imagine, but uh, we won't give away your age. My 21st. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show is jam-packed this week with a lot of positive Limerick news. Yes, well, I think one of the big stories that we're um, kind of really getting behind is the Cranberries track Zombie. Obviously, huge hit um, back in 94, I think it was. Um, they're trying to get it um, to the, the wanted to be the first Irish track on YouTube to get to 1 billion views so we are behind them and we're trying to get everyone to watch the song so remember on YouTube you have to watch the video in full for it to register as one view so if you can't all give it a few give it a few plays yeah. there in the office treat, treat yourself to a listen yeah. of zombie everyone loves a bit of zombie so I think yeah let's hope we can get zombie to yeah. 1 billion It'd be are, they, are they far off it? Um, I can't really do maths but they're at the 9 million well past the 9 million mark <laughs> yeah. so they're nearly there <laughs> they're yeah. like a couple of hundred thousand maybe thousand yeah. views so off. if everybody listens a few times yeah and get you know what zombie fans cranberry fans I should say around the world are really getting behind it as well so I think it will happen yeah there's these fans in Italy yeah South America it's, it's mad how the yeah. reach that they had like so know. I think like they I think it'll happen so I'd like it I'd like by the time we finish here on Friday for it to be at the yeah. be a nice birthday present for you Great birthday present, just <laughs> <laughs> And then another massive story this week was in Adair Manor. Yes, so uh, we were very lucky and so honoured to go out to the Adair Manor to um, chat to Chef Tweedy, who is the head chef of the Oak Room, which is the restaurant that's in the main manor. And they won a Michelin star. So uh, we got to chat to him. We got to also go around the grounds and they got to see my really beautiful, unreal, cool car. They did indeed, yeah. <laughs> and you were very happy driving... The drive up to the manor is just beautiful. <laughs> and I was looking out at how peaceful it was. And all I can hear in my ear is, my car is a mess, my car. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't had a chance to clean my car out in a very long time. So I'm so... And like you said, you've been living in your car for a couple of weeks, basically. Yeah, I've been eating, drinking and living out. Yeah, pretty much. The only thing I haven't done is been sleeping in it. But that is probably the next step at the moment, just because I've been all over the country and so busy. So uh, I want to apologise again to yeah. the guys. They were so lovely, though, about it. And I really was... Very, very embarrassed yeah, and I had to burn my clothes after I <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the tour around the kitchen was lovely wasn't it yeah we were yeah. very lucky um, they were very welcoming the, the staff out there were, they are amazing yeah. um, Chef Tweedy well we were calling him Michael Tweedy but I heard the lads calling him Mike so maybe Mike. we might be on Mike yeah. terms now um, he brought us in around to show us the kitchen that he designed um, so that was pretty cool and to see all the fresh produce coming in and everything so it was yeah it was. I really would love to I really want to eat there um, so that is probably the next thing, hopefully. Yeah. So if there's anyone willing to give Megan a nice birthday present of a meal. <laughs> I will accept and I will go with you and I make really good company. We just will not take my car. <laughs> and then uh, during the week as well, Megan, uh, we had a visit 
in Limerick from Malachi McCourt. Yes, who was, of course, Frank McCourt's brother um, from Angela's Ashes. And uh, he is so funny. Do you know what I kind of describe him as? A lovely rogue. Yeah. He, uh, he's really witty and really kind of, uh, he's got tongue in cheek, but he's just so nice. Uh, he flew in from New York with his wife, Diana, and his son, Malachi, was there as well. And he had a civic reception in City Hall, which was really cool and interesting. And then uh, got to interview him afterwards. And obviously he's here for the I.NY Festival, which is currently ongoing. And um, so it's kind of linking Ireland and New York. And I just think he's such a great ambassador for I think that. he had everyone in tears at the this conversation last night yeah. oh, no, not the conversation at the civic reception yeah he was just fab yeah some of his jokes as well which we won't repeat <laughs> because you know they were said in a private room so we're not going to repeat them exactly. but he's just he's brilliant I yeah. oh i think he's just class <laughs> and what else have we got in this week's show and um, we also have an interview with the blizzards they were in dolan's um recently enough practicing um just practicing basically for their tour so uh, we got to chat to brezzy 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 brezzy, brezzy. brezzy, brezzy, brezzy. and a uh, great chat with them so that's all come up the show and obviously for all the videos it's limmerpost.ie forward slash show and the full show is out every friday with other videos popping up during the week loads of stuff and even when i'm not here i'll still be churning out videos you will indeed <laughs> yeah so megan's not really away next week because you will see her in videos yeah i might yeah. do some um videos from las vegas yeah a few interviews over there you know be handy enough probably could happen yeah well, no one knew. Yeah. <laughs> a holiday for you, you don't really switch off. But uh, I know, it'll be interesting to see the next time we chat in the podcast, I'll be able to tell the stories I'll have, because you yeah. know me, there'll, there'll be stories. I can't wait for the accent that you'll develop over there. You know, you'll, you'll come back with this Nevada accent. Oh, I'll be so Las Vegas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Megan, thanks very much for joining us and enjoy your holidays. I will. Thanks for having me. And um, I can't wait to come back. And now joined in studio by journalist for Sporting Limerick, John Keogh. John, how are you getting on? Very good, can you know yourself? Uh, sure, I'm not too bad. How'd you get on over the weekend there? There was a few matches on. Busy weekend, yeah, that we're going to talk about. Um, Camogie final, Newcastle West beating a hand, and the intermediate football final between Gerald Griffins and Gelty Gales being a draw. So, busy so weekend. So there's your sports yeah. news for this week. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for more. <laughs> so, John, how, uh, we'll start with the Camogie, I suppose. How, how did it go? Yeah, Newcastle West winning 115 to 9 points over a hand, earned their first ever senior title. Um, they were the better team throughout. I think even the most staunch hand supporters would would um would admit that. It's just just a very, very strong performance, you know. They they just they're just a better team a hand over Lyra Lyon to Neve Mulcahy's freeze as she scored eight at her nine points. So that kinda of tells its own sort of insane that Rebecca DeLee in other county, Jewelstar, scored ten in Newcastle West Point, but they're a better spread of scores. Um, just yeah, they, they were better the whole way through. Han did very well to lead at halftime, but they got a run. Newcastle West got a run on them, and then Iris Kennelly's goal. I think it was about eight or nine, ten minutes from ten minutes of regular time to play. Kind of copper fastened. They got a point immediately after that put them four up, and then that, that, they just went on from there. And was it a good game or it was a good game? Standard was good. Off, yeah. No, no, the standard was good. They just, yeah, Newcastle West just had an answer for everything I had through with them. Just a dominant performance. Roshan Ambrose, another dual player um, at Limerick. She won an intermediate football championship title with Old Mill and a lot of the players actually from Old Mill and Newcastle West that kind of play Camogie at Newcastle West, football with Old Mill and a couple of other clubs are Mona Gay involved as well. So they are kind of a number of clubs joined together for this team and it's a very, very strong team as a result. You had the likes of Roshan Ambrose, Mar- did a brilliant man marking job on Neve Mulcahy. Just Neve got only one point from play, which 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 is a big, big telltale as well. Like she's such a dominant player when she plays. She scores from free, she scores from play. But Roshan Ambrose did a fantastic job. Karen O'Leary was excellent. You know, you had Deborah Murphy in midfield alongside Karen O'Leary. Iris Kennelly scored one two. And I said Rebecca Delee then just 
give an astonishing performance in centre forward. Okay, a lot of them for freeze. I think nine frees, one forty-five. But a lot of times she was being fouled because she was on the run. And you don't leave a player like Rebecca De Lee run free because she'll do serious damage. And as I said, topped off by Irish Kennedy's going brilliant team move. You know, a Murdy champions too, and you know that they, they barely overcame Kalidi in the semi-final. Over the last few years, it's been very much dominated by Ahan and Granabal and Gary. Okay, Ahan have only won one title, and that was last year. But they were, I think it was four or five years, they were in the final against Granabal and Gary. And Ballingarry up to last year won every one of them. So, you know, so that's three all of a sudden very strong teams in Limerick, Camogie, which can only bode well. And you had a lot of players in that Newcastle team and the Ahan team that played for both the senior Camogie team and as well the junior Camogie team. So you had a lot of Limerick experience within the within both teams again which only bodes well for the inter-county team they, I suppose winning any championship in any parish is massive for the parish but uh, Newcastle West traditionally a football parish wouldn't they well you, you would say that but they're going for three county titles over the next few weeks so they started off with the Camogie win they have the intermediate hurling final this weekend against Glenru and then they play um, Ula in the football final in a couple of weeks time so a massive few weeks for the it's parish it's a huge so, few yeah. weeks for Newcastle West the town and just and what was very noticeable as well, there was a huge amount of the footballers and hurlers supporting the Camogie team as well. That's what it's all about, is getting the Massively, but it just shows the level, the, the high level that the club is at at the moment. Okay, the Camogie club is separate, but there's a massive support between everyone in there and it's just, that's the first of the treble now. And you know, I have a massive chance on Sunday, we'll talk about that in a minute, about in the intermediate final. But yeah, no, it, it, it was great to see great to see a new team winning it as I said their first ever senior title a lot of work has gone into that as Rebecca Dalee was saying after game like she played her first senior game at 14 15 like so I was like yeah we're going to win one at some stage but it's not easy to win you know I had found that certainly at a senior level exactly so they'll go out in Munster now but look a huge huge achievement for Newcastle West brilliant and then uh, the other match you were at the weekend was some football yeah intermediate football final the old one is, is always trot out a game of two halves this was like I mean Gerald Griffin's dominated the first half they only went two points ahead, in at the break and you're going how oh, you know this, this is, <laughs> wasn't the greatest quality game nor a lot yeah. of nerves and stuff. there was good football but it was sporadic but were they not taking their chances in the half? Just or? a little bit, a few half goal chances, and just it, it just wasn't brilliant. But they were five points to one up, and at, at one stage, you know, they really raced in. Celtic Gales eventually clawed their way back into it at the end, towards the end of the first half. Second half, then you know, Celtic Gales got a bit of a lucky goal shot from far out, went all the way in. Three players, the full forward, full back, and the goalkeeper jumping for it. They all missed it oh, and yeah. went in. That, that gave Celtic Gales a huge lift, and they were six points up. Going, in, going into the last six or seven minutes, you know, looked they're playing senior football next year, but um, Gerald Griffins were patient. They missed chances. They missed a load of chances to, to bring it back. Eventually got a goal to level it. They got a few points to make it to three. And Paul Bruder's goal, very, very late, leveled it and brought it to a replay. They had a chance to win it, the last kick of the game. So I was talking to both managers after it. Both were relieved, if that makes any <laughs> sense, to get away with the draw. Galtic Gales were a little bit unhappy okay they let a six point lead but then yeah. the last shot of the game was fell into their keeper's hands of course Gerald Griffin's had that chance but relieved to make the comeback so look I, I, I think it'll be a freer game in a couple of weeks time it's going to be the curtain raiser to the senior final um, the replays um, so yeah I, I think there, there, there's better quality in both teams it, it was as I said it was sporadic a few four or five inter- Limerick inter-county players playing within the two teams as well so you'd be hoping for a, a better one second time round and then there's a few other games coming up, as well, you mentioned. I mentioned, yeah, yeah, Newcastle West and uh, Glenroo facing off. Newcastle West kind of had a, 
a down few years in, in intermediate hurling, lucky to stay up in a couple of times mid-table, not mid-table, but not making any impact really at the, the upper end of it. And this year, on the back of such a good year for the club as has gone, they've really, they've hit something that, okay, in the last couple of years, they've had a number under 21s, did well in under 21 competitions, kind of coming through now. You know, as I said, it could be the second of a, of a brilliant trio. Um, up against the Glenroo team that have been there thereabouts for the last five or six years at intermediate, like they've been close to win it, they've last finals, last semi-finals. You know, a, a good team, like a, a lot of them dual players with Belly Landers as well. So it's very hard to call. Kilmallock Sunday at three o'clock, that game is on. Um, I'm not going to put my neck up and say who's <laughs> going to win that one. But it'll be a cracker. It, it, it should be a very, very good game. And of course, this the chance to play at the Premier Intermediate grade next year. Brilliant. And then uh, we look at the rugby. Yeah, where do we, where do we want to start? At Munster? Um, we'll go with Munster and then we'll focus Very on briefly, the, Munster yeah. lost their first game of the season last week against the Cheetahs. Um, now, you were talking about the quality of the South African teams in the Pro 14. Yeah. They're taking a lot more serious and that yeah, probably it, goes to show it. It does. It does to a point, but you do have to marry the fact that Munster are missing 12 players away yeah. at Ireland. But I think you've seen, okay, Ulster hammered the Kings as well in their game, so... There's going to be some, I, I think the Cheetahs are the ones really that look, like they've won all their games with a bonus point so far. They really look, again, they're Curry Cup champions, which is the provincial thing, or provincial competition in South Africa. Um, Ruin Pienaar, very much to the fore, of course, any Irishman will know from his time at Ulster. He's at the latter stages of his career, but still very influential. He was playing at scrum half, did a lot of dictating. Look, tough loss for Munster, but they're on, on a down week this week. Um, before they play the Aspreys next week in Musgrave Park in Cork. Very good. And then over to the, the World Cup. A big, a big enough game yes, coming up this weekend. Just, just, you know, running <laughs> the middle, uh, World Cup quarterfinal. Yeah, look, all, all the stuff from the pool, all the controversies, all the will the game be played, will it not be played, of all the games. Look, rightly or wrongly, it's in the past now. There's four yeah. games on this weekend, two four quarterfinals. Um and obviously the one we're going to focus on is Ireland, New Zealand. And that's that's all that really matters, you know. It's it's do or die stuff. And, you know, it's like as Nilo Carroll's talking in his article in the paper this week. It, it, this game could really define Joe Schmidt's era. It, it is that important. Okay, yeah. it's a World Cup quarterfinal. But everything he's done where he's brought on and he's won championships, he's done this, that and on, they've beaten the All Blacks twice. Ireland's goal from, from a long way out for from basically when the last in the last World Cup to Argentina has been reaching a semi final in two thousand nineteen. That chance is there. And if they don't, don't care what anyone says, this World Cup's a failure. But well, you're coming in with that goal, you have to coming in with that goal. And and, and and for me it's a minimum. Yeah. You know, and okay, they haven't played well and that's all in the past. This is one off rugby. It's not got rugby now. You know, so I, I do subscribe to the same thing that if if Ireland don't win, it is a failure. You know, you can't hide from that fact that the goals of the semi-final. You're go- you have to look at the team that they're coming up against, though. You mm. do, but it was always going to be yeah. New Zealand and South Africa. We knew this yeah. from the draw. So, I mean, this was always... And everyone's saying, oh, hopefully there's something up the sleeve and whatever else. Time will... T- only we'll find that out Saturday of what Ireland come up. It's going to be very, very difficult. They're, they're underdogs for a reason. Now, are they capable of beating the All Blacks? 100% capable. They've shown that twice yeah. in the last couple of years. And no one can tell me that... You can say whatever you want about Soldier Field two years ago. There is no... The thing is, they're called friendly matches. 
but test you go match, out to win a game. Not, look, yeah. look, okay, we're New Zealand fully focused on that game, Chicago. I don't think so. But you still go out to win a game. You go out to win the game. Yeah. We're the fully focused on beating Ireland at the Aviva Stadium in November, gone by. You can bet your backside there. Yeah. So they'll be smarting from that. Okay, there was a. And Ireland at that level at that time we're in the middle of their season New Zealand at the end of the season that's a whole other gamut of, of, of questions about an international season where everyone plays at the same time but look that's for another on the game itself Ireland named their team named their team this morning he's gone for the tried and tested as Joe Schmidt no one's surprised by that Rob Kearney's back in okay with Bundy Ekey's, um suspension Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw were always going to be paired uh, together at midfield, you know, Peter Mahoney comes back in for Tigburn. No surprise in that Irish team whatsoever. What was interesting this week, uh, Sport Limerick held a panel in Regeneron with Tom Savage of Three Red Kings, a regular contributor to Limerick Post as well, and Neave Briggs, former Irish, well, hopefully still an Irish international, but current Munster player um, as well, Newell Bowes, and a very distinguished international player. Um, Marcus Horn, obviously Munster in Ireland, and Ian Dowling, former Munster in Ireland winger as well. And what they were calling for, certainly Marcus Horn, Neave Briggs and Ian Dowling anyway, maybe to a lesser extent Ian Dowling, was for something different, for Ireland to do something different this, this weekend. Marcus Horn was throwing out something like Dave Kilcoyne. Just, just he's in such good form, throw him in from the start and see what happens. I think they kind of were all marrying this with, it's not going to happen, you know, Joe's going to stay with, with what he knows. And it, it, there was a little bit of um, stuff about... Or how rigid Ireland's game plan is. They don't deviate. They don't try different things. They try and wear teams down. And they, they were all looking for something different. Just something... Like CJ Sander did something. I think it was the Scottish game or Jack, maybe early stage in the Japan game. He just broke from the base of a rock. Rather than giving it to Conor Murray, he just went right through went right through the middle. Ireland don't do enough of that thing. Conor Murray doesn't snipe enough. And it, it, they were all fair comments. You know yeah. what Conor Murray is going to do. In fact, it's going to be a high box kick and chase and then try and win the ball back 30 yards further up and things like that I, I think Ireland do need to do something different that's the hope that they have something different up their sleeve we haven't seen it you know in this World Cup um, the All Blacks have picked a ridiculously strong team again that's no shock so it's hard not to pick a strong team there I think. well yeah that's true yeah. as well but they've just they've been tipping along as you would expect them to tip along yeah. interesting to see Brody Retallick back he, he got a serious injury in the in this, the rugby championship um, before the World Cup. He's made it back. Wouldn't think he's fully fit, but he's vital to New Zealand. And, you know, they, they've had the two-week break, you know, with the Italy game not being on. Yeah. Ireland have to... Like, to be fair, and Tom Savage made this point as well. Ireland have started each game very well. First 10, 15 minutes, they played very good rugby in that time. It's now about sustaining it for 80 minutes. If they do that, they have a great chance. If they're in with 20 minutes left, they have a great chance. But do you think them going toe-to-toe with the All Blacks is a bad idea or do they need that trick up their sleeve, like you said? I think they'll need something different. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think what they're, certainly what they've produced in this World Cup so far isn't going to come yeah. with an Well, they usually role. have one big game. Well, that's the yeah. hope. No, hope yeah, but this is, this is the hope. You know, you look... Okay, the, uh, Samoa kind of ironed out a lot of things. The, yeah. the performance against Samoa. Okay, and with 14 men as well. And they just they held, held the ball very well. They offloaded very well. They made they did made the right decisions at the right time, and that's that's what professional sport is: is doing the basics, right? If you do the basics right and stay in the game, you know you have a very good chance. Look, this New Zealand team, you know they're not as good as previous New Zealand teams as well. I mean, there's no point saying they are. A lot of people are believing that 
and I and I'm one of these. Well, Josh Smith would rather have faced New Zealand now than later on the tournament. Yeah, for Ireland's yeah. sake in a final rather than South Africa. And well, if you want to win it, you probably have to meet them. Anyway. You have to beat. Look, if you're going to win the World Cup, you have to beat everyone. Obviously, yeah. like you know, that that's just that. You know, um, you look at Limerick winning the All Ireland last year to beat Kilkenny, Tipperary. Cork, you know, yeah. you beat every, you beat the big guns, the big guns effectively. Yeah. Clare people won't like us saying that because <laughs> they didn't beat Clare. But but that's it. You 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 do have to beat everyone, and no one can tell me that Ireland aren't capable of doing that. They just need to be at their very best and hope for a bit of luck as well. So we look forward to this game in the weekend, and to follow it all, you can follow sportinglimerick.com or on social media with hashtag sportlk. John, thanks very much for joining us. More than welcome. And for all your sports news, visit sportinglimerick.com, limerickpost.e, follow the hashtag sportlk and hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels where you'll find more podcasts, interviews, videos and much, much more. Best of luck, John. Thanks, Ian. I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor, Rose Rush. Rose, how are you this week? Uh, I'm truly wonderful, Ian. Thank you for caring. You're nice and relaxed after your Newcastle West feature last week. Our Newcastle West Our feature. Our Newcastle West feature. And congrats yeah. on its big, big readership, 40,000, Cian. Excellent. Your videography, your interviews. It and your made it all, Rose. It made it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see it, I see it. <laughs> no, good work, Rose, fair play. Uh, in the arts page, we're back to the arts this week, so we, we overlooked it last week. Yeah. We were focused on the nice feature. Nice break. <laughs> so uh, I see on arts page this week, the tale of Griselda. Yeah, yeah, this is interesting. Tom Creed is the artistic director for the Irish National Opera. He's he's there on contract. He's not a permanent fixture with them. Tom Creed is a very big noise on the international theatre and operatic scene. He's an Irishman, quite a young Irishman. And his talent at bringing visuals and storytelling and musicality and opera and theatre to life, um, his talents are considerable. I've seen one only thus far of his productions having toured to Lime Tree, and that was Owen Wingrave, the Benjamin Britten anti-war opera that the Irish Chamber Orchestra collaborated with him on. And he brought it very, very much into modern day times uh, with, um, with clothing, uniforms, people's behaviour. Remember, there was a load of drinking <laughs> <laughs> on stage as well. Bottles were rolling everywhere. Girls were going around in their stilettos and spiky dresses. And this is Griselda, the opera. No, no, this is Owen <laughs> Wingrave. And this is all a preamble to, I suspect, Griselda. I know exactly. Griselda has been modernized as well. The text remains absolutely sacrosanct and what he calls as Vivaldi's absolutely sublime, extraordinary music, which he tells us makes um, extremely harsh demands on the singers. But then he has an amazing cast, people such as Emma Morwood, um, Katie Bray, uh, Russell Russell Harcourt, and he does uh, another. Sinead O'Kelly is another. He he does ask us to throw our mind back to the the norm in Venice in the seventeenth and eighteenth century, the time span for which he wrote. Uh, do you remember the Castrati? I, I don't, Rose. I'm afraid. I, I don't think I was there at the time. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, it's singing in very, 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 very high top notes, if you okay. consider how very far a violin can soar. 
Which is why that it will be very demanding of, on... Exactly, yeah. exactly, on male and female singers. So look forward to that being handled. He's working with Peter Whelan of the Irish Baroque Orchestra as musical director. And um, you can read what the story behind to, to Griselda is on the page. I won't tell you anymore. Yeah, that's page 80 of this week's yeah. Limerick Post. Come to Lime Theatre for one evening only. That's Thursday, October 24th and <coughs> selling really well. And even if you haven't seen an opera before, this is a good chance to see one. He tells me he's had record fun um, invoking modern day parallels with the House of Cards, for example. And as I make the point, my when I editorialize a little, uh, some of the intrigue is how relevant today are the Venetians themes concerning power play, manipulation, information gathering and that reliable operatic chestnut and opportunistic alliance. Mm, it's one word attending. Yeah, yeah. So CCTV cameras and information gathering and Big Brother spookiness, all of that is interlaced with this. Brilliant. Sounds interesting. story of people pucking each other around. <laughs> Eloquently put. The opera, uh, the opera. <laughs> you know, gotta love it. And then uh, we have the Cine Club, Rose. Yeah, Cine Club. Again, my hat off to the women in Alliance Francaise Limerick. I know there's some men involved as well, but it's the women who seem to make the razzle dazzle impression on me. You know all about Trey Coor. I think it's one of your first gigs, was it, for Limerick Post? It was Post? our first gig together and my first gig with the Limerick Post. And I do recall back in those days, Keen, yeah. you used to impress me some. <laughs> okay. I, so, um, I faded out now, Rose. I think <laughs> I, yeah. So they're, they're, it's a box office. It sells out annually and the June Bank Holiday Weekend for Bell Table. The Trey Coor International Film Festival. We'll go into that another time. Tangential to that... Um, these good women have organised a really, really, really attractive monthly cine club experience. Now, it's no rival to the IFI unit that uh, platforms a newly made movie every Monday night in, in Bell Table. This, this is the screening of classics. So wonderful, wonderful filmmakers such as Michel Ocelot. Bertrand Travernier and Patrice Leconte. You'll have, anybody who's a fan of European cinema will have seen lots of these classics that are going to screen on a Wednesday basis in the most beautiful hotel, number one, Perry Square. So your five or six euro in will get you a glass of wine. It'll get you a seat at a classic. And that kicked off this Wednesday with Patrice Leconte's uh, Ridicule. Brilliant. Yeah, so uh, I think that's an addition to our cultural capital. In, in and then uh, in. speaking of cinema and filmography, there's a film course going on with LCTB. Gosh, you're dead right, you're dead right. Um, again, you know, Limerick and Clare Education Training Board, they're such innovators. Well, you spoke to them in Newcastle West, Rose, and so did you I. You spoke to them in Newcastle yeah. West. And you got to take nice pickies, didn't mm. you, in Dan Cronin's bar with them I did in indeed, video. yeah. So, yeah, that actually, that unit with the, uh, with the LCETB board, that's been the, the most viewed and most read story of the Newcastle West. Oh, very good. Of nine or ten interviews that we did. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very How, interesting. You know, the readership out there, they really love good quality content. And yeah. when people have interesting things to tell us, we, we listen and we read. Brilliant. So um, this is, again, it's being pioneered by another woman, Monica Spencer, whom we know as a festival director, founder of Make a Move Festival, and treated and involved with many other festivals through the years. Oddly, she's an actress herself, as well as director, and, and contemporary dance is a very big thing, very close to her heart. She is leading on 
a training unit for which the closing date listener is Monday the 21st of October. The training unit is Future Filmmakers and please read about it in our Business Spotlight page and there are my posts this week. And you can study the ad on page 81. There's a call out for people who want to train in special effects makeup, in camera work, in prop making, in location work and other film production roles. Very, very, very much a training unit of our times. There are criteria to get into it, as with any course. So um, explore more if you open the pages of the Limerick Post this week. Excellent, and it does look like a very interesting course as well. Rose, thank you very much for joining me. Can this I week's not talk podcast. about Michael Hartnett, Kian? Are you um, going to disappoint me? Oh, let me see. Uh, look, go for it, Rose. Okay. I'll leave you off this once, okay? Okay, guys. I've interested nobody else. <laughs> I have a huge passion for Michael Hartnett, a Newcastle Westman. Huge, huge passion for his work. I've actually a video loaded online of made by the wonderful James Lawler, who's a Limerick-based uh, poet and involved in Cushla and other worthy stuff. Orpheus Nua, the new Orpheus, Michael Hartnett, a bilingual celebration 20 years on, is what I term the weighty title to what should be a uniquely Irish event taking place this Friday the 18th. Again, the venue is number one, Perry Square, Georgian Quarter. And details on the page, it's only a fiver in, but the combination of music, live music with trad players, with the wonderful Gabriel Fitzmaurice, uh, poet and translator himself, all to do with the work in English of Irish of Michael Hartnett. And that should be really, really special. Brilliant. Rose, thank you very much for joining us. And all the arts news available on page 80 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank Rose Rush, our arts editor, for joining us today. Keen, you're amazing. Thank you so much, Rose. Our head of news, Jerry Collison. Megan Scully from the Limerick Post show, and Maura Nolan, our journalist. And John Keogh from Sporting Limerick. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. For all your news, sports, arts, entertainment and much, much more, visit limerickpost.ie or pick up this week's Limerick Post newspaper. And you can follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are Keeping Limerick Posted. <laughs>